All right, and today it is really important to me that you do get it, and Jeff is right. What? And it's even more than saying that you're a part of the body of Christ. When Paul talks about the body of Christ, what he says often is, ye are Christ, means you belong to him. But Jesus alone is not Christ. And I want you to think about this. He's Jesus Christ. Jesus is the head of what? What body? The body of Christ. He's not the whole body. Did you ever think about that? Have you ever really thought about that? He's the head of the body. That means he's in authority, right? He's the head of the body of Christ. I'm going to read scriptures. You'll see it. We are members of his body. So we, when, if we really get this, we can understand so much about who we are and how God sees us. But beyond that, we can see our purpose in this earth. That's really, Ken, it's what you were saying you know, it's not blasphemy. Jesus said, the works that I do, you will do also. Who's doing the preaching right now? We are, right? When you go out, you're the one that's, when you talk, Jesus is not coming down from heaven and talking to people about Jesus. You are. He may be healing the sick, but he told you to lay hands on the, yeah, he may bring the healing, but someone's got to lay hands or proclaim and believe. And that's what Ken is saying. In John chapter 20, I've been talking about this. Jesus says, as the Father, this is so important for this church where we're at right now. As the Father has sent me, what's the rest? So send I you. When the church does not understand that we have the same mission as our Lord, why is He the Lord? Because He's the head, right? He's the boss. He was God in the flesh. He died, was buried, and rose from the dead. We taught about the authority of the believer, and He's sitting at the right hand of God, and He's working in us and through us. That's why that scripture I read recently, it said, don't say who is going to go to heaven and bring Christ down. Don't say that. Don't say that. Oh, we need Jesus here. Jesus is here by his spirit. Is he or isn't he? Do we believe the Bible or don't we? So don't say who's going to go in heaven and bring, oh, if Jesus were only here. He is here. Is he in you? Paul said, prove whether Christ is in you unless you are reprobate. Christ is in you unless you're backslidden, unless you're reprobate. He's in you. Christ in you is the hope of glory. That is not just analogy, metaphor, uh, nice speaking. It's literally true. You're born again. Jesus is in you. And that's why he said, the works that I do, you will do also, because I go to the Father. So, and don't say, who is going to bring Christ up from the dead? Don't say that. What does it say? The word is near who? You. You've got to speak it. You've got to pray it. You've got to believe it. God won't speak it for you. He won't believe it for you, right? And he won't go for you. You have to do the going and the speaking. 
So the purpose of the church, if we just sat and we think wrongfully that the purpose of the church is to come here on Sunday, and guys, I love it. I love seeing you all. That is a purpose of the church that we would gather together. That is part of the purpose of the church, that we would have a corporate gathering, but that is not the purpose of the church. If we think, hey, I went to church, gave my tithe, I did my duty, now I go home and I live the rest of my week surviving or being a nice person, and I'll come back next week. If that's our vision of being a Christian, we have fallen so short of what God wants for us. And I imagine you wouldn't have a lot of joy in your walk with the Lord, not a lot of excitement because it, it just goes. And then what also happens when that happens, there is so much pressure put on the pastor to do everything, right? You got to go visit everybody, Got to go to the hospital and then stop by someone on the way home. I got to go evangelize, talk to 10 people about the Lord. Then I got to go train. Then I got to, I'm doing everything. And you get, you, the church sends me on errands, right? Brother Brad, we're sending you on another errand. Someone's sick. So you go pray for him. Well, I, I thought he said believers will lay hands on the sick. Didn't he say that? He said that, right? So he didn't just say pastors. No, in fact, we're, we're going to get there. There's a purpose for the pastors now. Like I am, Jeff, you said recently, you thought that was one of my dominant gifts, you're probably right, is as an evangelist. So this is an example. I'm a pastor, I'm an evangelist. As an evangelist, does God require me to do all the evangelism in the body? No, no nor you, nor I. God calls evangelists, we're going to get there, to equip the body. God calls teachers to equip the body. God calls prophets to speak to the body. All the ministry gifts are to equip you to do what? The ministry. As an evangelist, I am going to evangelize. You can't stop me. If you tell me, well, that's not really your duty, Brad, just equip us, I'm going to say, it wrong, I'm going to evangelize. I can't help it. It's in my blood, it's in my bones. I'm going to evangelize. But, and it would be pretty pathetic if I was teaching you to do something that I was afraid of or too lazy to do or didn't want to do. To me, that'd be pretty pathetic. But no, I, as an evangelist, I want to equip you to share the gospel. I want to equip you to go into your world and uh, teach people about Jesus. And so my, my desire is to, maybe you'll catch fire and you'll want to share the good news about what happened to you with your neighbor. And we can give you tools. We have this Marco Polo app that we're using and the people that are being activated now through this online interaction, soul winning training, we go on there and we teach, we share. What we're doing is we're equipping. Hey, this is what I do. And I give examples like, hey, okay, I'm not doing it just to, Mike, pat me on the back. Give me a pat on the back, Mike. See, not, not too hard. I'm not doing it so you'll pat me on the back. I, I'm, I'm showing you this is the way, okay, as, a, as an evangelist and a pastor. You are the hands of Jesus. Clayton, good to see you. I just saw you back there. Good to see you. Praise the Lord. You are the hands of Jesus. You are the feet of Jesus. You are the love of Jesus in your world. You're the one. You know, you could call me and I would go talk to your neighbor with you. But if you called me and said, go talk to my neighbor, I said, you're going to go with me and stand next to me, right? 
Because you're called, there are people that only you can reach. I will never reach them. They may not even like me, but they may love you. Amen? Or they may listen to you. Some of you, your kids won't listen to you talk about Jesus, but they will listen to somebody else. Amen? So you better pray and ask God to somebody has the courage and the boldness and the desire to reach out to your children. And the best way, whatever you sow, you, the best way to get someone to talk to your kids is you go out and you talk to other people's children. Say, God, I'm planting the seed for my kids. I'm believing for my kids. The church, folks, it's time to wake up to who we really are, to our destiny in Christ. It's time to go from in here to out there. It's time to stop arguing about every nook of doctrine, and I love doctrine, I study it, I'll, I'll argue if you want to argue, I don't want to. told a guy on YouTube uh, this week, I, I made a comment about God on YouTube, and the guy said, well, if you want to believe in fairy dust and fiction, and you can, but you're an idiot. That's what he said. And I said, well, if you want to fight with somebody, you picked the wrong guy. He came back, yeah, because you're an idiot. I mean, it was really funny. Me and Pam just, didn't we laugh about it, Pam? I just laughed about it, and I said, thank you for your input. Amen? Didn't bother me a lick, right? Talking about, didn't bother me one bit. Thank you. I'm not interested. If you don't love Jesus, you don't want to hear about Jesus, you don't want to learn about Jesus, that, that's fine. I'm going to go on to somebody else. If you don't want to share Jesus, if you want to put your light under a bushel, I promise you Jesus still loves you. I promise you still have purpose. I promise God will still use you. And however you give your heart to Jesus, he'll still flow in your life. But if you're tired of church normalcy, if you know you have a giant inside of you, if you know that the lion from the tribe of Judah lives in you and you're tired of him just hidden inside of you, you're tired of hiding him in there and you want to release that giant inside of you, then follow me as I follow Jesus. Because I, by the grace of God, am going to fulfill my calling and I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus this week. But even more importantly, as a pastor, I want to train you to do it. That's the purpose, Jeff, Christ in you. Every person in the church should be sharing Jesus. It is a lie to say that's the evangelist's job. We may be gifted at it. We may be good at it, but we're going to equip you to do it so you can do it. The first two people that talked about Jesus were the two women that saw Jesus risen from the dead, and they ran out and started telling everybody, women, right? Went out and started telling everybody about Jesus, I don't know what their gifting was or their calling, but they were sharing Jesus immediately. Amen? On the way to uh, Emmaus, there were two guys. Cleophas was one of them. They talked to Jesus. They knew Jesus was risen from the dead. They immediately began to share. There were seven deacons that heard about Jesus. They weren't evangelists. Okay, not at the beginning. They started sharing Jesus and even doing miracles. Philip and Stephen were two. They were deacons. Deacon just means servant. And they started sharing Jesus. Both of them became evangelists. Amen? And I'm going to go a little further. Then we're going to read, Jeff, the scriptures. 
It's in my heart, folks. What's coming out of me is me digesting the word, pouring it into my belly, asking God, how can I release this thing and acting on it? That's the word of God. Paul said, you're the ladder. You want to read the Bible? You are the ladder. You're it. I want to look at you and see Jesus. I want to look at you and see Jesus. You're, the way you forgive people, the mercy that's oozing out of your life, the love that motivates you, the way you pray for people, the way you give and the way that you're generous. I want to see Christ in you. Someone say amen. amen. I told the Lord I was going to be nice this morning, and I am. <laughs> because, you, I mean, I know, I've tried it. You, just, you can't beat people into doing it anyway, can you? You can't. It's got to be in your heart. And I know that you really, you want to be that person. You want to be that person. There are things like worry and fear and all these little things that are trying to hold you back. Don't you think it's time to overcome? Don't you think it's time to overcome anything that distracts you or gets in your way? I do. So Ephesians 4. I could actually read Ephesians 4 and 5, 1 Corinthians 12 and 13, Romans 12, and then read 1 John chapter 3 and 4. Do it. I could if you want to be here till 1230. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling wherewith you are called. Who's called, guys? You are. Is it just your pastor? No, you've got a calling. You've got something to do. There's a purpose for your life. Even when you're struggling, you still have a call on your life. With all lowliness, I love this. This is the very heart of Jesus. Look at what Jesus looks like. With all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love. Isn't that beautiful? That's the spirit of Jesus right there. Don't we all want that spirit inside of long-suffering, forbearing, meek, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace? There is one body and one spirit, even as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, Roman, Caitlin, one baptism. That's the baptism in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 and 13, into Christ. It is actually a spiritual baptism that is represented by the water baptism that you were baptized into today. One baptism. That's what he's talking about. One God and Father of all, who is above all. Is he through some of us? Everybody here that calls on Jesus, he's in you right now. He's in you. I always make that joke. I hadn't said it in a while about the Gatorade commercial, the guy's drinking it. You ever seen that commercial? It's in you. And then they turn the color of the Gatorade. If the Gatorade's purple, all of a sudden they become purple. That's Jesus. You're drinking from the fountain of Jesus. He's in you. You drink, you know, the Spirit of God. Bible talks about drinking. He's in you. You become Jesus. That's God's idea about you. I was reading this week, brother, that uh, Isaiah, I was reading this week where God says, you're a son of God. And that just, that every time I read that and the Holy Spirit is on it, I think, what does a son, not the son, there's only one, the son, Jesus, 
but because of being baptized into Jesus, I am a son of God. That means God's my father. What? That's the ramifications of that. We shouldn't be staying down here in our mindset. The fact that God is our father and we are his sons, Ken, that's the authority that we have. We're sons of God. God has sent his sons and daughters. It's, you know, there's no male and female in the kingdom. He sent his sons and daughter on, on a, a mission, on his holy mission. To all, through all, get this, and in you all. It's in you. Someone say, it's in me. He's in me. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. This is what I want you to see. To every one of us has been given grace. It's apportioned by, and it comes through Jesus. To everyone, there's a portion. Jesus is the head, and he's dispensing all the gifts and all the callings are coming from God the Father and through the Spirit. And they come, Jesus is Lord, and he is dispensing these gifts through the body. Isn't it good? Powerful. That's why I, I had a prophecy. I'm going to get there. We're going to keep reading. I, had a, I was up here this week, and I was standing right here. And then and I moved over here. God started talking to me. Does anybody know what a download is from heaven? Anybody ever had a download? A download is when you're praying, and all of a sudden you stop talking, and the Lord starts talking to you, and it's almost like a zip file. You guys know what a zip file is? Everything's zipped in there, and you unlock it, and all of a sudden, all this stuff, and whoa, it's too much. It's unzipping. Who knows what a zip file is? Three of us? Okay, praise the Lord. (laughs) I guess I know more than most, I guess. No, a zip file, you unzip it, and all the stuff comes out that's been zipped up. So the Lord zipped, and he was telling me about the body, and just like, I actually wrote it all down. It's on a piece of paper. I'll write an article on it one day. But he was saying, Brad, this is why at the beginning of this chapter, the lowliness and the forbearance and the meekness and the gentleness and all these things, they're so important because when God administers all his graces and all his gifts, he doesn't give it all to you or me or you, or you. He doesn't give it all to me. I don't have it all. So if everybody wants the pastor to give it all to them, you're going to miss it. You're going to kill me because I don't have it all. Jesus has it all, and he dispenses it through the body. I'll tell you who has the gift that you need the most, that person you don't like. That's where it's hidden right now. It's hidden in that person that you don't like and won't talk to what you need's in them. They're a part of the body. It's dispensed. Christ is the head. It even says in the word that all the wisdom is in Christ. It's dispensed. So what this tells me, and I'm going to go on and show us this even more, what this tells me is I need you. I can't get mad and say, well, they're not listening, or, or they don't do what I say, or they left me, and they, did, they didn't show up. And I can't do that. I have to remain humble because at the end of the day, I need you. Well, so I only need God. Well, I wish that was true. It's not biblical. Now, if all you got's God, that's all you need is God. God will give you what you need wherever you're at. He will do it. But it takes humility to understand Christ is a body, and He dispenses it. Do some people have a stronger healing gift than others? Yes. Are there prophets in the body? Yes. 
They hear from God, and if you don't listen to those prophets, Bible, Bible, you'll, you'll miss it. You'll miss God. There was, here's an example. We have a life group, and uh, a lady in our church who will remain nameless, I know where you're at, in our life group, Brother Linton laid hands on her uh, three, six months ago, three to six months ago, and Linton gave her a prophecy. And I am convinced this would not have happened had Linton not speaked it out and prayed for her. He said, God is going to give you a place in the country, your own place for you and your children. And he added to it, and he gave some specific details about that. I think it was going to be the price was going to be right, and all these, you'll be able to afford it, and all these things. And three to six months later, an absolute miracle happened for this woman and her children. A piece of property opened up at the most ridiculously cheap price, inexpensive price. It was out in the country. There's room for animals. There's room for everything that they wanted and dreamed of. And I am convinced in my heart, had she, well, maybe God would have worked around it because he can do that. But the way that grace came to her is because she was at that life group and Linton put his hands on her and prophesied to her. Someone say amen. amen. God releases things through words of faith and through prayer. That's how he works through the body. And he worked through Brother Linton that day. You'll miss it if you think he won't minister to you through somebody else. Someone you might not expect. Has anybody in this congregation ever received money from somebody? wasn't your money. Someone had to give it to you. Someone you're attached to. Anybody in the church ever give you money? Amen. Well, you needed them, didn't you? Amen. God used that person. Our life group gave the, our missionary from Macedonia an offering, you know. We blessed him. He needed the body. God didn't rain money down from heaven to answer his prayer. People had to give to that. That bag over there, wherever it went to, that Ella's going to get, Someone's got to put stuff in there and give it to her. God's just not going to rain down school supplies to that girl. And the Lord isn't going to feed kids from Haiti just manna out of heaven because he has a body that's going to send them money. He has people over there that are working with people over here and giving those kids food. Isn't that beautiful? You say, well, God can do anything. Yes, he can, but he chooses to use the body. He wants you to be involved in it. Let's keep reading. Every one of us is given grace, that's why we can't boast, according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Christ is the gift to the church. Christ is all in all. Christ is beautiful and He is wonderful and everything comes through Him. Of Him and through Him and to Him are all things. Wherefore, He says, when He ascended on high, right? Don't say who's going to go up in heaven. He led captivity captive and gave gifts to who? Men. We got prophets in this church. We do. People that speak for God. We got evangelists in this church. People that are gifted to evangelize. We got teachers in this church. Your gift is no good hidden under a bushel. Come on now. He that descended is the same also that ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. He gave some to be apostles, that's sent ones. He gave some to be prophets, that's the voice of God. He, came, he gave some to be evangelists, that's proclaimers. He gave some to be pastors, that's shepherds. And he gave some to be teachers, people to teach you and instruct you in the word of God for the perfecting of you. Say me. You're the saints. For the perfecting of the saints, for what? For the work of what? 
the ministry. Guys, you got ministry to do. It's, you know, it includes working in the nursery and all cutting the grass, but it's far beyond that. Far beyond that. It's, we need people to do those. Those are just pure love services, to be honest. That's just love service. Every person in the church has gifts. Every person in the church has things to do. Do you know what happens when you don't pull, do your share and pull your weight? Do you know what happens? Somebody else has to do it. It's not right, is it? Somebody else has to do it. If you won't do it, someone else has to do it. Okay. For the perfecting of the saints. For the, are you guys still with me? Are you hearing me? You're the body of Christ. Jeff, you said you are the body of Christ. We need to get busy. We're going to pray for you, so i got to get done before 5 till because the elders who don't know it are going to come up here with their wives, and we're going to pray for you, and we're going to ask God to show you the different callings and ministries and giftings and services in your life. Is that okay, elders? You can veto me down Thursday. We're going to do it today. Amen? <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Amen. I know you will. Okay, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. Th those fivefold ministry gifts are to build you up so you can be perfected and so you can do the work of the ministry. And as I said, I'm going to be doing it too. You're not going to stop me. I'm, I'm going to be doing it too as an example to you. I want to be an example, but I'm also teaching you how to do it. Follow me as I follow Christ. Till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect, that means mature man, unto the measure of the stature of who? The measure of the stature of Christ. What that means is, and I, I say it all the time, the measure of the stature of Christ is God wants you to look like Jesus. God wants you to look like Jesus. God wants you to look like Jesus. Mikey, God wants you to look like Jesus. The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. i got to do this real quickly. Flip over to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Put your finger where we're at. The title of this message is Glorious Church, Messy Church. I probably won't get to the messy church today, but I'll get to the glorious church. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called what? Some translations say children of God. Mine says sons of God. Therefore the world does not know us because it did not know Him. Beloved, when are we the sons of God? Now. now. Right now. Come on now. Why should I fear? Remember when the Lord told me, Brad, you don't have anything to be afraid of, right? I said, you're right, Lord, I don't. Why? Because right now, you are a son of God, a daughter of God, a child. Right now, you might need to grow up into it. Who has some growing to do? Thank you. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world doesn't know us. Beloved, now are you the sons of God. It doesn't appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, what does it say? What's going to happen? We shall be like him, for we shall see him like he is. Every man that has this hope purifies himself, even as he is pure. Notice 
how do we become like one day we're going to look just like him. That's what John is saying because we're going to see him just as, as he is. Why does seeing Jesus, man, I hope you're getting this, why does seeing Jesus just like he is make you just like him? That's what it says. You're going to be just like him because you're going to see him as he is. Someone? We purify ourselves. Yes, of course. Yes. Because we're a reflection of him. He's inside of us. Romans 8 says we are being conformed into the image of Jesus. So when you go to heaven, at the end, I'm going to look at you, and who am I going to see? I see him now when I look at you. How much more am I going to see Jesus? It's going to be a completed work, right? But if you want, I don't have time to go to 2 Corinthians, and by the way, I've taught it many times here anyway, but if you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3, so how do we become like Jesus now? Like, not just in heaven on that day, so then how do you think we become like Jesus now? If we see him as he is, and we become like him, how do we become like him now? Someone tell me, come on. Spending time with Him and seeing Him now by faith. Looking in the mirror of the Word of God and seeing yourself. Looking in the mirror of the Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3, beholding Jesus and becoming transformed like Him right now. Maybe not a perfect reflection, but I'm growing from grace to grace, faith to faith, glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. That's why your pastor is always trying to say, read the Bible. Pray. Look at Jesus. I'm trying to say, look at Jesus. Read the Bible. Pray. Why? God loves you right now. He's going to love you forever, but he has beautiful, great things for you. And if you don't look at the picture of yourself, if you're not praying and seeing Jesus and you're not in the Word and seeing Jesus, you're going to shortchange yourself. Plus that person that you are going to bless, you won't reach them. That person you were going to pray for that person you were going to fast for, that school child that you were going to give a book back to, that kid in Haiti that you were going to feed a meal. If you get offended and not leave just this church, but any church, whatever you're supposed to contribute there, boop, done. The devil loves that. He loves offense. He tries to offend everyone. He wants you to leave, be disharmonized and out of unity because now he's neutralized you. You're no longer a threat to him. He can just sit on all your rewards and all your blessing and laugh. And I believe you'll probably wind up in heaven and you'll see Jesus and you'll be happy and full of joy. Who wouldn't be happy in heaven? You're going to miss out on your real purpose. Someone say amen. And I don't want this to be heavy. What I'm trying to do is, is we're the body of Christ. That's my point. We've got to get active in that. And I've got a few more things to read then I'll end this. Okay, so back to Ephesians 4. We grow in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a mature or a perfect man unto the measure of the stature of what? The fullness of Christ. And remember, Christ is not just a head. He is a body. Just to prove it, Jeff, flip back over to chapter 1 in Ephesians. There's more scriptures than this, but here's just one. There's many, many more. I'll just start with verse uh, 21, talking about Christ. Christ is far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, 
every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come, and has put all things under where? His feet, and gave him to be head over what? All things to who? The church. Who's the church? You are. Which is his what? It's literally his body. The church is his body. And get this, the church is his body, the fullness of him. The church is the fullness of him who fills all and all. The fullness of Christ comes in a body. He got the head until Jesus gets some arms and gets some feet and gets some legs. Until he gets a belt, till he gets he's, his fullness is expressed in the church. Do you see it? That's why Colossians 2 says, don't be deceived, verse 8, don't be deceived by philosophy and vain teachings of men because you have received fullness where? In Christ, because all the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in, not Jesus, in Christ. And verse 10, and you are complete in him or you have received fullness in him who is the head of all principality and power. Think about this. If you are raised up, stop, go to chapter 2. You guys still with me? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land this because I'm throwing a lot at you. I wanted to get over to 1 Corinthians, and, and I just don't think I'll have time. That'll be the messy church. You could read the whole chapter. Read verse 5 of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. Let's read verse 4. But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, say, Jesus loves me. He does love you. Everybody in this church, he loves you. If I sound like I am upset with you, I promise you, Jesus it loves you. He, he loves you so much, he doesn't want you to stay the same. Who wants to stay the same? Uh, yeah, no, thank you. I don't want to stay the same. David killed giants. Don't, doesn't someone want to kill a giant? Right? These early Christians raised the dead. Wouldn't someone, at least one person, like to raise the dead here? Just one person? But God, who was rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, he loves us, even when we were dead in sin, has made us alive or quickened us together with who? With Christ. When Christ was made alive, we were made alive. Reminder, by grace you are saved. Get this. And has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly realms in Christ. I know. Right now, spiritually, you are raised up and seated with Christ in a position of authority. Everything is under His feet. And where are you? You're in Him. You're in Him, raised up and seated with Him in heavenly places. Folks, we apprehend this by faith. It's when we believe it that the truth and the power of it is released in our life and it's activated. That's why I talk a lot about activation. I want to pray for you. I'm going to read one more scripture. I only got Jeff, and I read some scripture, Jeff. I only got maybe a fourth of the way done with my message. I want to talk about the messy church. We're going to talk about the church at Corinth next week. 
a little bit. Those, those guys were a mess. Just read Corinthians this week. They were a mess. Did Jesus still love them? Did Paul still love them? He was exasperated by them, but he loved them. All right. Romans 12. Now, I'm not, some people don't like the message Bible. I don't read it very much, but I like how this scripture says this in the message Bible, okay? Romans 12. I'm going to start where it talks about the various parts of the body. This doesn't have the verses delineated. Listen to this. We'll, we'll close with this. In this way, we are like the various parts of the human body. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. Think about this, and it's true. Each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole. We're connected. I need you. You need me. We're not as strong without each other. We need each other. In this way, the various parts of a human body, each part gets its meaning from the body as a whole, not the other way around. The body we're talking about is Christ's body of chosen people. Oh, how beautiful to be chosen. Each of us finds our meaning and function as a part of the body, but not as a chopped up finger or a cut off toe that would not amount to much. So since we find ourselves fashioned into all these excellently formed and marvelous functioning parts in Christ's body, let's just go ahead and be what we are made to be without enviously or pridefully comparing ourselves with each other or trying to do something or be something we're not. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Be who you are, and who are you? Christ. Christ in you. He's, that's who you are, and we all have things to do and places to go. Church is not meeting on Sunday, as I said at the beginning of the service. Elders, can you come up here and your wives? Charlie? You don't have one. Just come on up. It's five till. I accomplished my goal. <laughs>